Welcome to Jay Talking. Thank you for joining us this midweek afternoon, or whatever it is that you're listening. I'm Jay Sorgi. I'm joined by my cohort just a few feet away from me, Steve Scafidi, host of the Steve Scafidi Show. Please tweet the show at the letter J-S-O-R-G-I. That's J-S-O-R-G-I. Tell us what you think about what we're talking about on the podcast and what you would suggest we discuss on that podcast. This part of the podcast, we are going to dedicate, Steve, to a topic that really got you moving and got me moving after got you moving on Sunday with the Packers game. And we're going to continue this theme through because there are seven more Packers home games to come. The idea that Packers fans and so, such a big percentage of them opt to sell their tickets and so many of the visiting team's fans get their hands on it. Well, I noticed it when I was at Lambeau on Sunday. So I'm a season ticket holder. I know get, that gets some people angry sometimes, <laughs> but that's the reality. I've been a season ticket holder since 83. Only because you're lucky that you're a season ticket yes. holder, so we're all jealous. And I get all, that's okay. I get, I get all that. And I share my tickets with folks, and my family has gone. And I, I typically never, ever sell to someone that I don't know as a Packers fan, which is why I object strongly to people selling their tickets to the opposing team. Now, I, I get that this is a free market and people can do that, but I noticed it on Sunday. Lambeau Field, Packers, Vikings, season opener at Lambeau, game one, and I don't know that I've ever seen as many fans in purple as I saw Sunday morning. We're able to watch the game on the tube, obviously, and get a bit of a view of what the fan base is like, but what percentage would you say was wearing purple. It's funny because we were kicking this around, Eric Bilson and I, and, and, I, and I've, I've heard people say it was 60-40 Packers, wow. Vikings. I said 50-50. Here's the thing that's why it's harder to figure out. You know this. It's the green and gold. Mm-hmm. There's two colors. Not everybody wears one or the, you know, they, they, they can wear one or the other. So it's hard to determine, actually, when you look at a stands, what the color makeup is. If it was gold, and purple, you'd know pretty easily what that would look like. Or if it was badger red and you know, pick another team in the Big Ten, you, you can tell. A little bit harder to tell. All I noticed is when I was sitting in that parking lot tailgating, which you always do for the opener, boy, there was a lot of big groups of, of Viking fans walking through that parking lot. I believe it. I think, first of all, there's something to be said about the distance factor being involved. It is a short drive mm-hmm. from Minneapolis-St. Paul to Green Bay, only about four hours. I think there's also something to be said that when you go to the opposing team stadium, you tend to be a little bit more vociferous, a little bit louder, partially because you're on their turf. You want them to know you're there. And I think you also get the super fans of the team that tend to come more often to the road games than you do the more quote-unquote casual fan. And I know a casual fan for Green Bay Packers fans, that's not the right word to use, but I think that plays a part. Here's the deal. Minnesota, what, four and a half hours away, roughly. Chicago, uh, maybe two hours plus. Um, Detroit's got a little bit of a longer ride. Got to go around through Chicago. But they're not that far away, relatively speaking, when you're talking about the Midwest. When the rivalry is good, that's when you see it. But the only difference, Bears fans always came to Lambeau Field because it's so close. The recent reemergence of the Purple, the Vikings, has led to this, you know, just onslaught of Vikings fans, and they're like Packers fans. They love their team. They're going to show up. Somebody else raised this point to me as well. Distance is the only thing. Lambeau's a shrine. Exactly. That's why people want to go there. It's like, say, going to a game at Wrigley or Fenway or following your favorite team at MSG 
for the NBA or college basketball or the NHL. You want to go to these shrines of sports and follow your favorite team. I remember there being a Notre Dame-Nebraska football game down in South Bend where Nebraska Cornhuskers fans took up 25% of the seats. It was red for like an entire end zone at, again, one of the most hallowed shrines in all of sports. I think that definitely plays a part. I think, though, with Lambeau Field, there are some different circumstances that are very specific to economics and to the sports world's trends in general that I think play a part. And and I'd love to bounce these off of you. I think part of it is that you're tending to see fewer fans that are of sort of the middle class income going to games more often. And I think you see that where teams are reacting to it by shrinking the sizes of their stadiums Mm -hmm. because they know that that will up the price and get them to the price point, not just for the game itself, but for all the ancillary pieces, parking, um, concessions inside the stadium. That, I think, is playing a part where there aren't as many middle-class fans that can afford it. At the same time, the Packers expanded their stadium to be able to take advantage of the world's longest season ticket. Yeah, crazy that. long. But, who's, but who are on that, that list and who are the fans that have kept these tickets for years? It's so many of us who are of a middle-class background just dreaming to be able to see our favorite team. Think about this, though. When I first got season tickets, mm-hmm. they weren't that expensive. No. And they were. I was at County Stadium. That shows you how long. That was my outside seats, which transferred up to Green Bay when they stopped playing at County Stadium. You know, maybe forty bucks, fifty bucks for a bowl. You know, bowl seat at the time. That's affordable. Let's move ahead decades. Mm-hmm. Tickets are expensive in NFL stadiums. Sure. And you mentioned parking. On top of that, it's forty, fifty bucks. Food and beverage, all that stuff. When you have a older season ticket base, and it's slowly changing in Lambeau because those mm-hmm. people, let's be honest, are, are passing away. away. Those folks held on to their tickets, they could afford them. The people that are coming, the new people, they might be able to afford them as well. But what happened is when they bought those tickets and they didn't go to games, they had to sell them. Yep. And, and it really kind of funded how they paid the price every year. As the tickets went up, they funded their, their package through the sale of those tickets. Now, I would love to see them sell the Packers fans. Ultimately, it's the free market. They can sell to whoever they want. When I sell tickets, I make sure the people are Packers fans. That's just what I do. Right, but how can you control that, especially when you have the grand majority of tickets being uh, sold through sites like StubHub? Yeah, you have to. See, you'd have to know you your do. buyer. I don't right. go on those sites. Right. I do it. I do it word of mouth, so I can control that. When you go on those kinds of sites, it's anybody's game, right? And you're going to have fans of football. I will say this: I know we're talking about economics, but the folks who came to the game from Minnesota, nice fans, absolutely, absolutely, That's great fans, no problems. Fun to interact with. Here's the the kicker, though. They were losing twenty one to nothing. That took the steam out of their out of their oh, engines. That'll that'll knock down the vociferousness, to use your word, of fans pretty quickly. Now they got a little bit louder later, but it, it took the steam out of them a little bit. And uh, the fans were great. I, you know, it's it's the reality of sports. You're going to have other fans. I just want folks to think about why we have a home field advantage and try to hang on to that as much as possible. I think there's something to be said about the capability to specifically focus on finding Packers fans as you do through word of mouth. I think that helps. I think the fact that we have a social media era where we can talk instantly to hundreds or perhaps, if you're blessed to have so many friends, a thousand 
friends on Facebook to say, hey, I got these tickets. I'm only going to be selling to Packers fans. That gives you more of, of an audience to be able to do that. I think there are so many people, however, that recognize, hey, the only way that I can afford to go to seven Packers games, if I have the green package, for example, mm-hmm. I'm going to be spending $3,000 combined, the cost of my tickets at face value, parking, and all the concessions and everything else that's involved with a game day experience. Gas money coming from Milwaukee, for example, etc. The only way that I can afford to keep within a family budget and maybe only devote, say, $1,000 out of that 3000 is if I'm selling tickets to the highest bidder for the most prime games where I know the biggest demand is. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, Chicago, for example, or some of the, like, say, the New England Patriots. Coming yeah, which happened a few years ago. That's th- yeah. that's And these fans are not going to give up their tickets. They don't have to. And I don't think the Packers are ever going to get to a point to say, oh, you're selling too, too many tickets to visiting teams. See it. You're off the list. The simple economics of it is, Wages didn't go up like ticket prices went up over the exactly. last. Exactly. Yeah. So those folks, they're almost forced to do that if they want to hang on to them. And, and you know, and you said it, nobody wants to give up those tickets. I'm never going to give up my tickets. I'll pass them on to my daughters. I want those tickets to remain in my family, and that's what other people do as well. Interesting thing, though, some people are turning their tickets in. They are. They are wow. getting some turnover. Slow. But my brother just got season tickets after a waiting of about 32 years. Mm. Finally got tickets in the bowl. Okay. Uh, I love the dynamic of teams or, or fans cheering for their teams. Absolutely love that. And it does make for an energetic crowd when you have fans from both teams versus all of us just yelling the same thing. But it's, it's an interesting dynamic. If you're going to have a home field, you got to protect it. And that, the way you protect it is to make sure that you're, if you're selling them, you're selling the Packers fans. Here's an interesting idea I heard from a fan. Sure. If they're truly worried about the people handing tickets off, selling them online or digital platforms, you know, the, the ticket agents. Could the Packers control their tickets through a digital ticket base? Not a paper ticket anymore, which are easy to sell, but using a digital platform that so they can track where those tickets go. Because if, I don't know if you've used one of those, you can see when the owner of the ticket transfers them to somebody else, you know that that sale has been made sure. or that handoff has been made. Could you control it that way? Could you say to that person, we notice, as a season ticket holder, you attended zero games. You sold all of them. Should the teams, controversial, say to that fan, you know what, you got to show up for at least one? I'm not necessarily sure legally they'd be able to pull that off. I am no lawyer. I will say that right and off the bat. And you won't play one on TV. Nor will I play one on radio or on podcast <laughs> either. But that would be a very interesting question to t- talk to someone in the legal community about. Yes, say, because the digital world is, exactly. is taking over, and that's part of that. Exactly. And... Maybe it doesn't necessarily become something where you get rid of that fan and kick them out of their season tickets, but you build some sort of reward system. I, I heard this discussion on uh, 94.5 ESPN with our friend uh, and teammate Brian D. talking about University of Alabama games where so many students leave and what the university, which is able to track student tickets through this similar system, what they're able to do is say, hey, if you stay the whole game and we can track it based on purchases you make, mm-hmm. we'll give you some sort of points reward that you can use for something else. Is that the solution to the Packers where maybe they can't legally say, you didn't go to any games, you sold all your tickets, we're going to kick you out, but we can give you some sort of, hey, maybe a kickback to discount for next year's tickets or something. What do they have in Lambeau? The greatest pro shop in, in, in the NFL. Yes. And that's in, that could be an incentive that worked. I, I wander through the pro shop almost every game I'm at. 
There's all kinds of stuff that I'd love to buy, and some of the stuff's pricey. If you incented your fans to hang on to their tickets and show up at Lambeau, maybe just maybe they'll, they'll hang on to those tickets. And the funny part is we're having this discussion when you consider that the Green Bay Packers, their fans go to more road games and probably buy up more road t- game tickets than any fan base in not just the NFL, but on a per-game basis, perhaps any sport, not just nationally, but you could argue, Worldwide, that's a great point that a lot of people made when we were going going through this on social media. If we're going to be that kind of a fan and go to all those places, and we do, and I can tell you, when Las Vegas gets kicking off in in a year mm-hmm. out there, they're you know moving the Raiders down there. There'll be a heck of a lot of Packers fans who show up for those games in Vegas because one, they want to see their team play. Two, it's Las Vegas. If we're going to be those kind of fans, then maybe we should just pull back on the anger and angst when their fans come to our place. We are a much more mobile society than we ever used to be. We are interested in having this type of experience more than we ever have. When you look at uh, what my son and I do with our baseball trips for the Brewers, it is exactly that that I think is playing a part. I mean, 50 years ago, most of us never even thought about traveling to see the Packers on the road or any of our other favorite teams. I remember reading an old story of an NFL championship game during the Lombardi era, and Cowboys fans were shocked. 3,000 Packers fans showed up <laughs> in a 75,000-seat stadium. This, now, now that would be a puny amount. This team has loyalty as good as anybody in sports, and uh, the fans turn out. I don't, we're not going to solve this problem, but I think we should talk about it because you know we talked about a couple of digital ideas you could do and some of the different ways to look at it. Bottom line is, and I said this on social media, if your team is of the Patriots, Packers in the 60s, mm-hmm. quality, high-level caliber of play, your fans aren't going to sell their tickets. They're going to be want to have their seats in that, in that stadium. Because you're going to want to watch your team the year they win the whole ball of wax. You want to be there for history when yep. history's made. I can tell you some of the games. I've, I've attended hundreds of games at Lambeau Field and County Stadium. I don't remember them all, but I remember those moments. The Brett Favre dive play at County Stadium. I think it was the last game played at County Stadium in yes. Atlanta. Um, the Pittsburgh playoff game in the early 90s when they, when they were finally going to the playoffs because Yancey Thigpen <laughs> yes, dropped the ball. Christmas Eve. Yes, all those games, I remember them. There's a reason why I wanted to be there. That's not all good. I was at the NFC Championship, Favre's last game when he threw that interception, sitting in the bowl. Still got frostbite? That was the coldest game I was ever at. I believe Boy, it. Boy, that was cold. I believe it. This will be a discussion point for such a long time to come. We will see if the Packers themselves take the steps like what you suggested with some sort of tracking system and some sort of reward system that could come from it. Steve, we'll continue this discussion. Thanks for joining us. I always love talking Packers. Jay Talking continues with the other debate that has come about this week connected to the Packers game last Sunday and future Packers games to come. The Wave. Yes, it was something that was brought up by Aaron Rodgers before the season opener against the Minnesota Vikings, which the Packers went on to win, when he was basically giving his opinion on the wave, saying, just don't do it when we're on the field, please. He continued to discuss it on our sister station, ESPN 540, when he was on the Dan Levitard show and having a little bit of fun about the wave, saying, again, let it be when the defense is on the field, not when we're trying to do things. He hadn't done the wave in about 20 years. And it was something where he didn't seem supremely open to it, but cracked a little bit of the door. It's been a major talking point among Packers fans, including our own John Mercure. 
Melissa Barclay, Greg Matzik, Nick Van Wagenen on Wisconsin's Afternoon News today. Are you a Wave fan when you're at a sporting event? I do the wave. I do the wave. Aaron, by the way, Aaron Rodgers sounds so serious. There. Yeah, he he's serious he, about the wave. He did. He generally sounds pretty serious. We can absolutely agree with Rodgers that nobody should be doing the yes. wave when your team is on offense yeah. or when your team is batting, for et sure. Cetera. But I like the wave. I get involved as long as I'm not eating at the time or drinking. Yeah, that's why I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it because. I'm trying to drink my beer. I'm trying to actually see yeah. the game. I'm trying to juggle things. I, uh, I'll i do it a couple of times, I don't and then like I it. just sit there. <laughs> if people do it and I miss something on uh, in the game, I will be very put out. Me too. Really? It okay. really irritates C- come me. I should on, not guys. be doing it at hockey games. I just wanted to put that out there. Let's be honest. <laughs> this is a quick motion. Someone is standing up and sitting down in the matter of one second. What are you missing? Possibly something important. A pitch? In hockey. A pitch? A, yeah, a, I'll do it. A ground ball? What's the point of it? Well, it gets everybody riled up. I get it. It's a, it's it riles a, up the crowd. Yeah, it's, a, gets excited. it's a togetherness but moment. But it gets half the crowd cool. irritated. It looks yeah. cool. I it mean, looks come cool, on. And now. it's a oh, togetherness on. thing. I do think so. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we can agree to disagree, I'm right? With you, John. Oh. Thanks. I have my own thoughts on the wave, but I had a chance to, dis- to share them back in May from a personal experience regarding it. So we'll do a little flashback here to one of the early editions of Jay Talking where I gave my thoughts. Now in the spirit of Jim Irwin, we give you a viewpoint this podcast. It's on one of the most controversial spectator sports subjects that there are. The Wave. I've had an indifferent to loathsome relationship with The Wave over the years. It's so 1980s. It's so not original. It's basically a symbol that the game is boring and we got to figure out a way to entertain ourselves. Now, there are some situations where you've got those exceptions, those moments when the wave is awesome. Take a Badgers football game where they do back-to-back-to-back-to-back waves, but it's not just waves. It's a regular wave followed by a slow wave, followed by a super-fast warp speed wave, and then those multi-directional waves. That's cool. That's a Camp Randall Stadium staple. It's a tradition, but that's the exception, not the rule. And by the way, I can't stand it when the local team is on offense. The wave distracts them. In general, I've always thought that the wave has just, for the most part, just gotten useless. Until last night. Who was it that convicted me to this? My own family. We were at the Brewers-Rockies game. My son is with three other kids who are close family friends of ours. They see fans starting a really bad attempt at the wave that becomes more of a trickle down a river than an ocean tide. Doesn't even get halfway down the left field line before it dies. He sees it. He then gets all our friends to do their own version of the wave. And they do that version, about a four-person version of it, over and over. And their enthusiasm is contagious. They get other fans in our deck to join in. Now, mind you, it didn't get to that tidal wave level across Miller Park, but the four of them didn't care. They had a ball. We parents had a ball watching them. Yes, I even took part on it. I did my sort of silly, slow stand-up wave. It was really silly. It was clean. It was awesome fun. Am I going to be a regular partaker of the wave? No. Except in a semi-mocking, silly wave like I did last night. But if you want to wave, have at it. 
Just do it when the defense is on the field, please. I stand by those words and occasionally stand up for the wave today. Tweet me at the letter J-S-O-R-G-I. That's J-S-O-R-G-I with your thoughts about what you heard on the Jay Talking Podcast, including all these different Packers fan-related issues that we discussed today. Special thanks to Steve Scafidi for joining us. We'll have another Jay Talking episode next week. It's once a week during the Packers season. I'm Jay Sorgi. Thanks for joining us, as always, on Jay Talking. Have a fantastic Wisconsin Sports Week and Weekend.